We're blessed to have the Basic Solutions Group as one of our ministry partners. The Basic Solutions Group is one of the leading app creators for ministries worldwide. So whether you want to maximize your impact or multiply your ministry's message, then check out the Basic Solutions Group at basicsolutionsgroup.com. And to see what they can do for you, just go to your app store and download our Real Men Connect app for free on any Android, iPhone, or mobile device or tablet. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But what if you felt so many times as a husband, you've run out of hope and Romans 8.28 seems like a promise that was meant for someone else, but not you? What if everything you've done or tried to do in your marriage has turned out wrong and you can't find the good in the pain, problems, or the pressure? What if you have the greatest intentions, but you just keep messing up? And even God can't help you because you keep getting in God's way. But what if God was able to turn your life around in such a way that you're now a leading authority and paid expert on helping save, strengthen, and rebuilding marriages? Is that even possible? Well, you're going to find out from our guest today. So get ready to laugh, learn, and be encouraged that there's still hope for you and your marriage. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Eric Terry Sr., who is a certified marriage coach and relationship specialist, and he's also the author of Real Talk, The Making of a Man. Eric has been an ordained minister over the past 20 years, and he's happily married to his soulmate, Deborah. Together, they operate Real Talk Consulting, a multi-service firm that focuses on building and maintaining healthy relationships. Now, I had the privilege of meeting Eric at one of our men's small group meetings here in Chattanooga called Brothers Keepers, and I was immediately impressed by this man's passion for his wife and his marriage. Now, it's one thing to be happily married, but it's another to talk about how happily married you are. So I'm excited to have Eric on the show to talk to us about the making of a man and how he became a man, the man and husband that he is today. So um, we can learn from his journey. So with that being said, hey, Eric, thank you for joining us on the show and Real Men Connect. We're happy to have you here with us. Hey, Joe, man, I am thankful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Man, it's my pleasure. And I always start by asking our guests their favorite Bible verse. So won't you give us yours, Eric, and tell us the reason why? Oh, man, absolutely. Jeremiah 29, 11. I mean, it's funny. One of my son's friends just posted this this morning on Facebook, and I just typed my favorite scripture to let him know. Um, and it simply says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. The reason that's my favorite scripture, Joe, is because for a long time, I listened to what some people said, mm-hmm. not realizing God already had a plan for my life. Right. Other people had their own plans they were trying to make for my life, but God had to have a plan. And that was the thing that um, caused me to to really shift when God really started showing me his plan. When I began to follow what he wanted, not what man wanted, 
all of a sudden, man, everything came into play. And that has been my favorite scripture ever since that day. You know, that's also one of mine as well. And my, one of my memory verses. And I love, I love Jeremiah 29, 11. And yeah. now, you know, I read your introduction and I told them that you are a marriage, kind of marriage expert and relationship expert. You and your wife do some coaching on this as well and offer classes. Right. But I wanted to get into your story because a lot of times when we bring guests on, we, we talk about one particular aspect. Give us the seven tips to this, the five strategies to that. But Eric, I'm treating you a little bit different than I'm going to do most okay. of our guests because I read your book and it is phenomenal. And I, I'm hoping that we'll tell the, um, the listeners out there how to get a copy of it later on at the end of the show. But your personal story is amazing because see, you're working now with couples and you're working in building marriages, but boy, your journey to where you are right now, <laughs> my goodness, I, I don't want to give it away, yeah. but you're going to have to share with us but and I, you know, and I know you personally, uh, Eric. So I know nobody's gonna, you know, you're not gonna be mad when I say that you were a hot mess. A hot <laughs> mess, <laughs> man. I'm telling you, <laughs> as a man, I tell, I tell you that all the time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But but I am so impressed <laughs> with how what God has done in your life with you and your wife, and how you've become now. You and, and I know it's putting you on the spot, but you're kind of like you're setting a standard of what marriage should look like. And I'm not trying to pop prep you up and you know put you out there as if you're perfect. I'm not saying that, but you've learned a lot. That's why God has called you to this ministry to work Absolutely. with couples. And and I hopefully we'll have you on some more times because there's so many different aspects of marriage we can all always go into. But I want to sure. start because I'm going to spend pretty much most of my questions going to be around your testimony because I know you. You didn't call your book Real Talk for nothing. <laughs> okay. You <laughs> right. believe in keeping it real. So I know that I can take off the gloves and ask you pretty much anything. And Absolutely. so let's start there. And I want to start with your testimony of how'd you get to where you are now, where you're working, you and your wife are working with couples and restoring marriages. Man, to be honest with you, Joe, you know, you, you hit it right on the head, man. When I say hot mess, uh, hot mess was an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, I was trying to be was. nice. <laughs> I, right, right. Yeah, no, you being nice. It, it was an understatement, man. Because the truth is, you know, coming up in a home where my father is an ordained minister, pastoring for God 30, 35 years now, I came from the, the best possible home. I, I tell people I grew up with the, with, we were the broke Huxtables. We didn't have any money, but we had that family, you know, that family orientation, man, that just that that atmosphere um, like the Cosby show. You know, mm -hmm. it was just like the like Claire, Cliff, Claire and the kids. Um, I never heard my parents argue. Uh, never heard them raise their voices to each other. They've now been married. Next month will be 44 years. Wow. And still happy. Now, they argue now over who's cooking because they're both retired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but other than that, man, I never, I never saw that part. Mm -hmm. And so my brothers and I came up in a really good, positive, structured home, you know, of course, spiritually based and it was happy. Unfortunately, I expected my wife, let's, let's go to the first one. Cause there were a couple. Okay. <laughs> All right. You went there, not me. Go ahead. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I tell people in a heartbeat because here was the thing I, I wanted to take in my mind. I was going to duplicate what I saw in my house. Right. Which makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that was the person I was marrying did not grow up in that house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, again, no, she, didn't get, <laughs> she didn't get the memo. She didn't get the memo. You know, I, I'll never forget, man. I'll never forget my first wife walking in the room, 
to basically start an argument. And I'm sitting there now. I was a, uh, at my first marriage, I was a stepfather right off the bat of three kids. Doc, I was 17. Wow. Wow. And I, I, I always pause when I say that because I want people to really get that and really understand. I made the decision to tell somebody that I was a grown man, grown enough to be somebody's husband and father at 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the funny part. My youngest son is now 17 years old. And Joe, I would beat the brakes off him if he looked at me and told me he was going to get married. (laughs) You know, like, no, don't you dare. Don't you, what are you thinking? You know, you just got to watch it, SpongeBob. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) we, she walked in the room. I'm sitting there playing with the kids. She walks in the room and she starts this argument. And Joe, I looked at her like, what is wrong with you? We don't do this. This is not how we handle, you know, because again, I never seen that. Right, right. But I had to understand that was not her expectation. That was not her her uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work. And at 17, quickly, you know, hey, that was over very fast. <laughs> right, right. Um, How long did that you know, last, Eric? How long did that relationship to- last? Total about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Totally about a year and a half. And And like most people, instead of pausing and taking care of me, immediately I began to search for the next relationship to replace that one. Right. That that was the well, I ain't gonna say it was the first problem. That was <laughs> maybe the second or third uh, <laughs> behind some other stuff that I had done. So making these mistakes early in life, man, really caused me uh, a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And it, and it and it pushed me, unfortunately, to cause a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the things I like to share with people, because when you're trying to figure out what your purpose is and what God has really designed you for, you have to look back on the things that's caused you pain. Right. Relationships were always rough for me. So those things, going through those marriages, going through those issues after, after the second marriage, we had, I had kids with the second wife and we had two children and we just, it it was topsy turvy from day one, stayed together 10 years. And just because now we're trying to work it out for the kid. Mm -hmm. Well, I tell anybody that wasn't healthy for the kids. Right. A lot of st- a lot of stuff that went on, man. They didn't need to see. They didn't need to hear. They shouldn't have had the experience. But because we kept trying to make it work, you know, uh, they did. So now we're in such a place that I had to pause. I said, "Okay, Lord, I want a good marriage. I want this. I know you have this for me. I'm not moving. I'm not talking to another woman. I don't even want to see another woman right. until I know <laughs> what mm-hmm. it is." I'm supposed to be doing. Why do I keep messing this up? Why am I failing at this? And a good friend of mine, I put, I quoted him in a book. A good friend of mine named Jordan Slade told me, he said, failure is only failure if you fail to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Say that again Doc, for me. Say that again. He said, failure is only failure if you fail to learn from it. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you go through something and it does not work out, that's okay. As long as you learned something about something about that, that circumstance to help you make a better decision the next time. And when he said that, man, I'm telling you, it, it changed everything, because for me, nobody was going to listen to my ministry. Nobody was going to call me to sing. Nobody was going to call me to preach. Nobody wanted to hear from me. He's been married twice. He's been divorced. Nobody wants to hear from him. Right. And the funny thing is, when I was going through those issues, Joe, I didn't want to talk to anybody who had gone through a divorce. Now, why was that? Because in my mind, in my mind, again, you got to think I'm, I'm I was 21 at this time. So you got to think I'm my brain still being formed. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I like to tell people I was still in my slow state. <laughs> okay. So being slow, I'm thinking I need to talk to somebody who has perfected marriage and they got it. Mm-hmm. And that was good. I under, you know, I understood where that mentality came from, but here was the problem. Talking to somebody who had this perfect marriage was not going to help me if they had never experienced what I was dealing with. Right. So I went to my father who, who had always answered every question I ever had, Joe. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's my dude. Okay. And I went to him and I started rattling off all this stuff that I've been dealing with and going through in the fights and the arguments and cussing each other out and clowning and going off. And my dad looked at me and said, you need to pray. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he had. I'm like, okay, um, we, we're beyond the prayer part. I'm right. ready to now. You can give me something else. He, <laughs> he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Joe, he, he couldn't. I left my father's house so upset and so angry with him thinking, all the times I've needed you to answer a question, you couldn't answer this. Mm-hmm. And it hit the Holy Spirit had to really, truly arrest me and say, how can he train you in something he's never experienced? My father got married one time, Joe. Right. And they've been married 44 years. Happy, no arguments, no fighting, no cussing. I'm like, how was he going to help you navigate through that if he's never experienced it? At, at that point, the light bulb came on. I said, okay, I need to talk to somebody who's been through this. Mm-hmm. And that's when the shift started to change. Um, in doing that, fast forward, I just began to pray. And Joe, I put something in the book also that God told me that day that I, that I cried out to him like that. And he said, you chose your first wife looking at looking after your flesh. He said, you chose your second wife trying to relive your past because we had dated in high school and came back together. Mm-hmm. He said, if you allow me to choose your next wife, I'll make sure you walk into purpose. Joe, when I tell you that statement had me in tears on my way driving to church. As a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. I'm crying. I am bawling. And God said, if you let me choose your next wife, you wait. If you just hold on and and follow my instruction for the next for the next mate, I'll make sure you walk in purpose. And Doc. My wife and I, Deborah and I, have now been married. Uh, this is our ninth year. We're going into uh, August twenty fifth. We celebrate nine years. Mm-hmm. And Doc, when I tell you, you know, people say, "Oh, they don't argue." No, we, no, we don't argue. We may disagree, but we don't argue. Right. But man, it has been the happiest thing I've ever experienced in my life. That's my best friend. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, man, we met up with a pastor here who I started kind of when we got married, I began to put things on Facebook, telling people, man, you know, because I saw so much drama on on Facebook. I thought you people need to get with Jesus. y'all. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. You need man. Jesus. You know, and it, cause, cause, you know, the thing I was finding was one day it was it was, oh, I love him. And the next day, oh, I want to kill him. I'm right, like, wait a minute. Right. This is the same dude you were in love with yesterday. What happened? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I began to put up positive, you know, posts about marriage and. From that, I received a call from a local church here in Chattanooga asking me to come and do a marriage retreat. And I said, sure. And I hung up the phone and I thought, what in the world did I just agree to? <laughs> right. I have not never done, never done this. Uh, and doing that, man, being obedient and hearing God and doing that, I went and did a uh, marriage retreat for Mount Canaan Baptist Church. Pastor Janae Jordan, at that moment, at that meeting, actually introduced me to the man who would be my mentor. He just kept saying, there's something, there's a connection there. You need to meet this man. You need to meet this man. He introduces me to Dr. David Banks. Mm-hmm. And doc, when I tell you, my life has not been the same, <laughs> you know, you know, Dr. Banks. So I know, you, <laughs> I'm hoping I'm going to have him on the show one day. 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. I'm telling you that man, when I tell you, he helped me walk into purpose. Right. And to realize, first off, a portion of the ministry, when you come to the church as a partner, uh, he didn't call them members. He called, we call them partners. Right. When you come to the church for the empowerment church as a partner. One of the first things that they do is teach you your purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've been in church all my life. I've never had a pastor do that. Right. I've never had a pastor that could even, you know, provide that. In doing that, it made me realize that this is the thing that that was God was trying to birth out of me. Mm-hmm. And in that, we created real. We um, became certified under Him and uh, created Real Talk Consulting. And man, we're rolling into our fourth year officially. Well, and I want to congratulate you on that. And it, your your book is just I was reading it when I was traveling and, you know, I fly quite a bit. And I mean, I, I know the people sitting around me were probably thinking I'm crazy. Man, your book had me laughing out loud. While I'm on a plane. <laughs> like, we got to put this guy off, take, kick this guy off the plane, you know, but because, you know, what, what I loved about it was the fact that you were so honest in telling your story and your struggles. And that's why I, I'm doing this interview a little bit differently, because we're going to unpackage that story. And I'm going to dive into little aspects of that story because there's a lot of men out there who did not go the the clean route that your, your father did and your mom did being married for 44 right. years. I mean, I'm on my second marriage. My wife, um, she's been in multiple marriages and a lot of guys who I've talked to, but at the same time, before somebody could stand there and judge us, they see the relationships we have now. They think, wow, they're so happy. They're so together, right. but not realizing because we had to all go through a journey. And, but, oh, man. But, but not all of us have been able to articulate our journey the way you did so well in your book. And just the brutal honesty of your book. I, I really, really enjoyed that. And so let's let's dig into some of this stuff now. Because man, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> because I really want to get into the heart of men out there who may have messed up multiple times or may think now they're not good enough to um, be in a relationship. Yeah. or And maybe yeah. some need to not be rushing into a relationship and to stay single. Um, I right. always tell people, I say, if you want to be successfully married, you have to be successfully single first. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and so you've experienced that. But let's start with, uh, let's go back to to 17, the first relationship, because sure. I know we can unpack some stuff there that we can teach some men some stuff in this. Yeah. You mentioned the fact that you never saw your, your parents argue. Right. And they really kind of, and I'm sure they did, but they just kept it away from me because uh, right. we know now that the kids don't need to hear everything, but they also, exactly. but they need to know that you guys do disagree. But your dad, for some reason, he felt it was good not for his kids to see that. But right. at 17, how did your parents react to the fact that you were willing to get married at such a young age? <laughs> now, you know, to this day, I still laugh about the conversation that, that we had when I told them. Because it's funny, we we remember it very differently. Okay, <laughs> I remember them saying, "Okay, great," and my dad offering to marry us. Right? They don't. They don't. My parents don't remember it that way. Now, I think what happened was, I think we had one conversation. Then when I left and went home, they had another conversation. <laughs> <about me. laughs> but honestly, they didn't say. No one said anything. No one. Everyone was talking about me. Mm-hmm. But no one was talking to me. Amen. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So I did what I wanted to do, thinking I was grown at 17, Lord Jesus. And it it, it was a mess. It was a mess. So, yeah, that the, the conversation, my father said, well, you know, we, we tried to talk to you. I'm like, no, no, I don't remember hearing anything negative about this. Y'all were like, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Let's do it. I'm like, okay. 
and 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 because I because my parents' opinion and word meant so much to me, I was you know, gung ho. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do mm-hmm. this. We can do this. And um, yeah, but no one no one said anything. I think my friends had more to say than anything. But but you got to look at it this way too. At 17, my friends were looking at me and they were in awe because at 17, here I was getting ready to marry a 22 year old woman. Let's be honest, though. She was fine. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so my friends are looking at that going, she got a sister? You know. <laughs> you know, so no one was really get. I didn't hear a lot of negative. Right. Uh, now, later on, everyone came to me. Yeah, we knew that wasn't going to work. I'm like, but y'all didn't say that. Uh, mm-hmm. And the questions always come to me is, if we had said something negative, would you have listened? And more than likely, no. Right. Because because of my mindset at the time, more than likely I would not have heard them more than likely would have pushed me to do it sooner or do even worse. Who knows? But the conversations that we had, Joe, was so simple. And so like, like we support you. Let's go. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. <laughs> now, and, and I'll put this in context too that. You were um, a born again Christian at this time, right? Absolutely. OK, so it's not like you didn't have a biblical foundation on on marriage and you know what marriage what's expected in marriage but so let's right. let's let's pause right there because now we're gonna speed up a little bit okay you go through one marriage you go through the second marriage and before you find your your um your soulmate and your current wife but let's 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 pick apart that part of the mistakes that you've made if yeah. somebody because a lot of people say well well he was 17 because i was 22 when i got married and i thought that was really young but what right. I've learned, and I'm sure you have too, that age really has nothing to do with it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. People say, what do you mean 17? No. If a person is spiritually mature, even right. at the age of 18, he can be married. But the thing is that right. we were spiritually immature. So, right. so I know there's some men out there who may be in their 30s who are thinking about um, trying it again or they, they haven't been married and thinking about getting married. Now, knowing what you know now, what are some of the things that they should consider? on whether or not they're ready. Cause obviously you weren't ready at 17 and then you weren't ready when you married the second one. What have you and, learned? And you know, and it was funny. I was, I was 22 too. We were the same age. Okay. All right. So what did you wow. learn those experiences that now you could share now with that person who don't, doesn't want to go talk to other people about it, but now they listen to this, this stranger on the air to say, okay, he has no ax to grind. He does. He's not emotionally um, vested in my relationship. So I can probably um, learn something from him. What would you tell them as far as before you say I do or even propose to this person? Mm. What should, what signs should they be looking for? What things to check their own maturity level if they're ready? Here's some of the things. If you're as a man from, from just from our standpoint, if you're not prepared to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to take care of her, to support her, to encourage her, to lift her, then you you need to pause. And you're not and just I, talking I, about financially either. And I'm not talking about financially. And I was getting ready to say that because mm-hmm. a lot of guys sometimes think because we say financial, you know, we think, oh, I, yeah, well, you know, I got a good job. Well, listen, it, it's it's so much deeper than that. Because to be honest, nowadays, Joe, and I'm sure you're aware of this, the women are in a better position in most cases. In other words, they already have a car. They already have a house. Uh, let's be honest, fellas. Let's just be real. The woman you're probably looking at, they probably don't need you for that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, they don't need you for that. So here's the, the question that I had to ask myself. Once I began to really work on myself and take care of some things, Joe, I actually asked myself a question. Well, I asked my wife. I asked myself first, and it really depressed me. And I decided to go and ask my wife. 
uh, well, we were dating then, and I asked her, I said, what is it? And, and this is a hard question to ask, fellas, but listen, it, it is crucial it, to know you're ready. I asked my then girlfriend, what do I bring to you? Hmm. Other than helping with bills and all this other little stuff, what do I add to you? What do I bring to your life? And, Doc, let me tell you, my wife, it took her two days to come back and answer Joe. Wow. And I, I don't know I don't know if that was scary. I don't know if that was more scary or, you know, <laughs> had me worried or if that, was a good, if that was a good thing. I was worried because I wasn't sure what she was going to come back with. Right. And what she came back with was this. She said, you encourage me. You support me. You lift me spiritually. You I feel protected. She, I mean, man, she went through the emotional, the spiritual, the mental. And here I am thinking, it's not my job. It's not my wallet. It's not what I'm bringing to the table. It's, she wasn't linking in none of that. I mean, man, it it was no surface stuff. She went deep on me and I went, whoa. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It also made me step up even more right. in those same areas. Because if we're supposed to be Romans 510, if we're supposed to be king, the kings and priests of our home, guess who's looking for us to rule and make decisions when it comes to our home? Queen, The queen is looking. Exactly, so exactly. she's looking for us not only to make decisions, but to take the initiative. So, man, it really helped me, really made me step up even more so that I knew, you know what? This is my best friend. I can tell her anything. And we joke about that a lot. And people say, well, you know, I don't tell them everything. Listen, it, fellas, this here's another one, Joe. If you can't tell her everything, if you still feel like you have to hide stuff from her, don't, you're not ready. Don't get married. Now you're stepping because on you, my toes now, Eric. I, hey, man. <laughs> that was a mistake I made in my first marriage. Because <laughs> <laughs> see, exactly. man, if, you know, because see, nowadays, you know, people hide, we hide cell phones, we keep all the stuff, password protected and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And we say, well, that's for my privacy. Well, okay, guess what? In marriage, there is there, there is no privacy. You know want. That's right. <laughs> You, you, there is what privacy. There is, That's right. You, you're, you're one. You're not two individuals anymore. Yes, yes. This is you. Are, you are one entity. So everything belongs to you. It, mm-hmm. It's you. You're one. So uh, my wife and I joke all the time, Joe. My mom had this thing about you don't go in a woman's purse. And to this day, my wife will say, "Hand me an ink pen," and she'll tell me where. I said, "Where is it? Oh, it's in my purse." Mm-hmm. I'm giving her her purse. Right. And she laughs at me. She's like, man, would you just hand me the purse to be in? No. You know, and I, I said, listen, I grew up like that. We laugh about it. And, you know, recently I had to actually go in her purse for something. Make, dude, I, I felt like my mom was going to come up behind me and smack me. But we do. Every laptop, every tablet, anybody in my house can pick them up and go to Facebook, Twitter. Why? Because there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. But you have to have... You have to have some vulnerability. Right. If you're not, if you can't be vulnerable with this person, that's probably not the person you should be talking about getting married to. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to be vulnerable, man. And that was the thing with Deborah, man. She allowed me Now watch this. She allowed me to still to be vulnerable, but remain a man. Mm-hmm. Now explain it. Go a little bit deeper into that right there. See, a lot of times we grow up, especially with men, we grow up think and we're told men don't cry, men don't show emotion. Right. Man, man, let me tell, let me tell y'all something. 
you you better let this stuff out. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's, that's what's taking us out of here, man. I'm serious. You know, mm-hmm. we're stroking out and this kind of stuff, all because we're 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 packing all this stuff in and we're never unpacking. We're never releasing this these, these all these emotions and all these feelings we're dealing with. If once you find somebody who allows you to to do this without making you feel like you've lost part of your manhood. Mm-hmm. Cause see, I remember hearing, you know, my first wife would real quick tell me, you know, I would get upset about something or, or you know, cry or get emotional. And she would tell me in a minute, you ain't no man. Mm-hmm. And man, I'm the, and, and now, and now listen, that if you want to tell, if you want to start something with a man, tell me a man. <laughs> I now, know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you, you, you looking for a fight, mm-hmm. but the truth is, man, when you find somebody who can take the vulnerability and see it as a strength. Right. My wife said for you to cry in front of me because you were upset about something. And she said, for me to feel needed, like I, you, like you needed me at that moment to nurture you just for a moment. It's a season. It, it's, it's a, it's a short period. Don't stay there. Don't stay in your vulnerability. Cause you still got to get up and be a man and make some decisions. Mm-hmm. But we have to be able to be vulnerable without losing touch with who we are as men. Right. So I, I love the points that you just made. And that's what I'm hoping that the men, I, I, you know, I like taking notes when I'm interviewing people because I just sure. love to take in this information. But I'm going to recap some of the things you just said. You mentioned about she had, you wanted to know what did you bring to her? I've heard yeah. someone once said that you should bring to a marriage more than just your appetite. Yes. <laughs> what you want. Right. You better bring something right. else. And you also right. mentioned about the being vulnerable and um, being able to share things and share everything. That's what I realized that one of the biggest mistakes I made in my my marriage, my first marriage, was the fact that I kept secrets. And I think you've heard T.D. Jakes, I believe, said that um, you're as sick as your secrets. Mm. And if you don't have that person that you can share with, um, you're going to internalize that pain and more than likely you're going to cause pain, bring pain to other people. Absolutely. And and I love what you just said about your wife, Deborah, that she allowed you to be vulnerable in struggle, but also still see it as a strength and that you were still yeah. a man. I, yeah. I, I love that. Um, I, I, you know, I was telling my wife when we were dating, I told her, I said, Tanya, I said, hey, let me tell you something that a woman should never say to a man or any type of um, <laughs> um, variation of this is be a man, act like a man. So you call yourself a man. <laughs> right, right, right. None <laughs> said, of that. I said, never say that. I said, now a brother can tell another man that. <laughs> I said, right, but right. a woman cannot tell yeah, a man yeah. that. That is just, you might as well just kick him in the, you know what. But anyway. Right. <laughs> but so those are some of the things that you would tell guys as one. Is there anything else in addition to that? Because I got some other stuff I want to get into. But is there any things that, uh, else that you could tell a guy out there who's thinking about, I'm going to give this thing a try, but he thinks he's ready, but maybe he may not be ready? For this, you know, one of the biggest things I tell people, Joe, is that we teach people how to love us. Right. So here, here's a key thing for me that I had to learn this for me. This was a big one for me, Joe. I had to learn number one as a man to receive, because sometimes we get so manly that we don't want to receive help or we don't want to receive advice. Right. He can't tell me nothing. You know, I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I had one guy tell me, well, you know, you're younger than I am. You can't tell me about marriage. And I'm like, listen, what I can tell you is that my sessions are cheaper than a divorce. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> and they work and they work. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, but you, you have to be able to 
know you well enough because the only way she's going to be able to love you the way you need it is if you show her. If you're not in a place where you can show the woman how you need to be loved. Some women will will like to go buy gifts. If gifts is not your thing, it, it may be words of encouragement. For most men, I really believe it's support, it's encouragement, it's time, mm-hmm. it's physical touch. You know, if you buy me a Rolex every year, that's great. I like watches and I like expensive watches, but I sometimes I, I need to feel you. How about, can I get a hug? I mean, right. you know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, encourage me that way. So we have to know, understand our own love language. We talk about the five love languages yeah. by Dr. Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. We have to understand our own love language. What is it that makes you happy? Because you're the only one that can teach her. Your mama can't teach her this. Your sisters can't teach her this. She can't. And watch this, fellas. Quit. You know, I, we I, we always tell women, quit hinting around. Quit leaving, you know, suggestions and placing little hints. Listen, we need to do the same thing. We need to just be honest. Just tell them. Listen, you know, I don't do gifts. I, I, I would rather you tell me how much you appreciate me. Understand. Mm-hmm. Learn your love language and understand it so that you can teach someone else. Fantastic. That's- that That's fantastic. And now I want to shift it to something else because now you may have now stepped on some toes. Like I thought you stepped on mine, like <laughs> the, the vulnerability and keeping the secrets and everything. But right. now for that man out there who now re- recognizes, you know, well, maybe I'm not really ready yet. Or maybe he's in a relationship and he realized, oh, this is where I'm struggling. You obviously couldn't, you had to reach a point. Your dad didn't help you out of it because he right. didn't have much to offer you. You obviously didn't do it on your own. You mentioned Dr. Banks being a, a great influence in your life. And I, I tell you, I can't wait for my audience to, to meet this man. I mean, I've yeah. had the privilege of having lunch with him a couple of times and I'm just impressed every time I meet him. But he was your mentor and the person who kind of took you under his wing. Most men, we don't have that kind of thing in our lives. And yet we realize that our, our I call it our woman picker is not right. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah, so people say, I keep meeting the wrong women. No, something wrong with your woman picker. That's what the problem is. <laughs> right. But as far as what, you know, how, what, what advice, I guess, would you give to a man to seek the help? How did you even approach Dr. Banks about this? Because a lot of men, they don't have these kind of men in their lives and, they, and they're a little bit afraid and intimidated because they don't want to be rejected by another man in their life. Primarily their dads probably have been rejected them in the past. Yeah. They don't want to be rejected. How do you coach us through this process of getting the help we need? You say we don't want to admit that we need help. Okay, what if we do admit we need help, but we don't know how to get the help? What would you tell us? The first thing is to look at people's lives. And listen, don't just look at the surface. Examine that thing. You know, because see, some people make it look real good on the outside. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell people as a a minister, I tell people all the time, you know, Sunday is... um, I need to talk to the Obama administration before he gets out of there. Uh, we need to change Halloween to the, um, instead of the 30th of uh, of October, we need to make it, 31st of October, we need to make it every Sunday at 11 o'clock. Because um, <laughs> that's, that's when we're wearing our mask. That's right. So be careful, be careful that you're not getting fooled by a mask. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, if you, we, we said this before the interview, Joe, if you really want to know how impactful and how secure a man is and what he's saying and what he's doing. Look at his family. Right. Look at his family. Look at his children. Look at how the children respond to him. Look at how his wife responds to him. If anything, look at look at her face. I, I, I'm always saying, look at the, look at the man's look at the wife's face. If you want to know if he's real, mm-hmm. because if somebody calls his name and her face changes, <laughs> and it, and it's not a good face, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's something going on. The poo poo face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But 
with with Dr. Banks, even prior to him, that with him, it was a God thing, Joe. I, I, I can honestly say, because the day that I met him, I, I had started a Bible study ministry at my father's church called Kingdom Living Study, KLS. Mm-hmm. And the day that I met him, I had my shirt on that said KLS Ministries. And he said, what is this KLS? And I said, oh, it's a Bible study group, Kingdom Living Study Group. And when I said Kingdom, it's like it clicked. And I and from that day, he told me from that day, he knew we were going to be connected. And I had really no idea. We met again the following week. And man, when I say he began to mentor me, mm-hmm. it was a it was a weekly phone call. It was a weekly conversation. When I decided to pursue real talk full time, it became a weekly meeting. We mm-hmm. met at his office every Thursday for two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, three, I think we missed three appointments. One time he was out of the country and two, he was out of town and he emailed me when he was out of country and called me when he was out of town. (laughs) So we never missed. We never missed. Find somebody who was consistent. But even prior to that, I found myself seeking men, looking, just, just looking at their life and talking to men and really getting them to open up and understand, understand how they got to where they are. But you have to look at somebody who's doing better. A lot of times we get so busy. See, we get so caught up, Joe, talking to people who at the same level we're at. Right, right. And it's like, no, you you know, if you want to do better, you gotta you gotta step up. You gotta come. You know, I tell I tell my kids, if, if you are the smartest person in your group, something's wrong. You need to change your surroundings. I know that's right. <laughs> you know, we've got to step up. That's why I talked to Joe. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, and I'm glad it's, it was a God connect. You know, right, so I, I'm right. glad that that's happened because it, it it is it's putting me in a position to again continue to go higher because you we need to be able to do that. But don't just settle for people who have done things or who are in your circle you we need to oh, branch out and get out of our comfort zone and and step up here's the key thing quit talking to bitter people say that again <laughs> men is and i tell women this all the time but men we need to quit quit talking to other bitter men uh-huh and you know and you know what i'm talking about when you get in them groups and they say man my wife ain't no good mine either you know and everybody in there got something negative to say about their wife i make them mad joe I make a mate. We get in those room names. Man, my, my wife did. I'm like, I don't have that problem. My wife, we good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, because I mean, these dudes, you know, like some guys get to a point, man, they they will dog the, their wives. And I'm sitting there going, man, you know, I remember doing that, expecting it to change. Right, right. You know, but, you know, so I said, okay, I, I got to get these guys to another level. So I asked them, why, you know, why do you say that? What are you, what are you speaking? You're speaking negativity because that's what you're seeing. But if you never, if you continue to speak it, that's all you're going to see. It's not going to change. Right, right. You have that power. But it's really being able to to look for somebody who is legitimately doing things on a level out of a healthy lifestyle, not a bitter experience. And, and thanks for sharing that, Eric. I mean, I, I'm taking so many notes here. And I love the, the that you brought up the point about not hanging around bitter men, quit hanging around them. And one of the things I try to do to get men to stop talking negatively about their wives. It's not that we don't have any issues and we don't have struggles because we should come together to discuss a constructive way to make our marriages better. But I know what you're talking about is what I run into a lot when all they're doing is talking about how bad she is. And so my way of stopping men from doing it, they probably get mad at me when I do it. I say, okay, if your wife is all those bad things, what does that say about you as a decision maker? Because you chose her. 
you you pick them. <laughs> <laughs> and you pick them, dude. Yo, yo, you what'd, you, what'd, you, what'd you say? Your women pickers? Yeah, bro? your women pickers broken or something. You know, I said, even if my, if, even if my wife was a tiller to hun, I don't want you to think I'm a bad decision maker. You know? Right. <laughs> right, so right. the thing is, so I get exactly, I hope the men really grasp a hold of what you're saying is that you, right. you don't deserve a badge of honor because you're putting down your wife in public right. or around friends who, even if they're your close friends. The thing is, right. you can bring your issues to the table, but with the hope and with anticipation of saying, what can I do to love her better Absolutely. and to Absolutely. lead her better? So and it's a whole different ballgame when you look at it from that perspective. And now I want, before we jump into um, um, some of the more personal questions, I, I want to ask this, when it comes to to men and they're getting in, in and out of relationships, because you've been in and out of relationships, so you have a great perspective, is what do you see as some of their toughest challenges in overcoming um, bad relationships and bad marriages. What do you see as some of those challenges? Man, you know what, Joe? I did a study several years ago about the top ten reasons mm-hmm. uh, that mar- marriages fail, and I began to look at all these things, and you know, sex, finances, and right. uh, infidelity, and all these other things were on the list. And what God really began to show me in that study was this: it was the communication about all those issues. Wow, that was the problem. So let's let's let me look at put it this way. And when it, when it, in terms of finances, it wasn't the lack of finances or the the abundance of finances. It was that we didn't talk about our finances. Gotcha. It wasn't the lack of sex. It wasn't that we was having sex every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the fact that we didn't discuss it. We never talked about our expectations and what we wanted. Wow. So God began to really show me it was the connection uh, and the communication about every last one of those issues. I went through every last one of them thinking, this is it, this is it. Yeah. And God said, nope, it's the communication about every last one of those. Most of us do not, exp- we don't discuss our expectations. We thinking, like like I told you about me and my first wife, I'm thinking she is going to be like the Huxtables. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the house I grew up in. But guess what? I never sat down and told her what kind of house I grew up in. Right. So she, so she didn't know what to expect. Because guess what? In her mind, she's thinking it's going to be just like her house. Mm-hmm. And she never told me what that was like. So, yeah, man, you, you know, you, you're going to jump in that thing and, and it's going to crumble <laughs> immediately because we have to make sure that we are communicating as men. I know most of us are not talkers. Guy, you know, Joe, every guy is not like us. We, everybody doesn't talk mm-hmm. um, and share how we feel. But listen, that's one piece that I tell men: listen, get off your high horse mm-hmm. and, and let's 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 settle down and have some open conversation about how you really feel it. Quit, quit letting somebody tell you that you can't share your feelings because you're a man. You better share your feelings. You better let that woman know exactly how you feel it. Because I've seen men lose a woman that they should have had. She got away because, you know, she there was nothing for her to connect to. Mm-hmm. But if they know your feelings and know what your, what your desire is and what your goals are, guess what, man? They can help you do that. Thing. that that's what they're there for. That's, they're a helpmate. Uh, so we have to make sure that we open ourselves up, man, and understand that vulnerability to to an extent to be able to expose just a little bit at a time. Right. right. So that they get to know us. And, oh, man, that, that is fantastic, Eric. I know on your site, I know that you do a lot of you and your wife, you do seminars, you do classes. And one of the, the courses that you guys offer is communication versus connection, how to connect on issues that can damage a relationship. And so, of right. course, you are. I'm already telling you right now, we're bringing you back on I got <laughs> because you. we can do a whole segment <laughs> on communication. Because I, I, I love the way that perspective you just you just gave. 
Everybody will debate all the different reasons why marriages and relationships don't work out. But under the underlining core of it is communication, poor communication. Poor communication. You know, I, you know I, I work in education arena and I work with a lot of educators and teachers and who work with kids. And I always tell them, even when I'm working with parents who work with their teenagers, I said, you may not be able to fix a lot of things in your relationship with your kids or teachers to connect with your students. But the, at the minimum, maintain an open line of communication with them. Absolutely. I always stress that's it because communication can fix anything. <laughs> I say, right. great communication right. can almost fix anything if you right. continue the dialogue. I right. say, it's not about you arguing. It's when you stop talking <laughs> to each other that ends up starting the real problem. So I'm glad that you that your research um, brought you to that conclusion. I mean, that's great. I never looked at it in that perspective. That that is the underlying problem under all that's the it. other issues. And, and I, I tell you, Joe, you just say you you said something that God really pointed out to me too. Yeah, I, I, and I, I share this with every last one of my couple. Mm-hmm. We have to understand this. When a man, God said this to me one day, I was during a session with a couple and they were going back and forth arguing. I'm like, wait a minute, trying to get them to calm down and listen. Right. And finally, but they hadn't been talking to each other this whole time. They've been talking to me like the other person wasn't sitting there. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and he said, when a man and woman, when a husband and wife are not talking to each other, the enemy is talking to both of them about each other. Oh, say that again, man. <laughs> oh, you got to say that again. He, he said, when a husband and wife are not communicating, when they are not talking to each other, this is why the silent treatment does not work. Stop it. <laughs> I tell my ladies, stop it. Quit doing that. Quit playing that game. Because the moment you start doing that, the enemy begins to speak to both of you about the other one. Wow. And if you think and if you think you got some troubles now, just keep keep letting that door stay open. Oh, I know that's right. I know that's <laughs> right. Man, I mean, shoot, that that's that's gold right there. That's I, I love that. I, I'm gonna have to remember that one. Anyway, you know, Eric, we I, before I, I jump into um the man up questions, I always like to go through uh, a question where I ask the men that I'm talking to, these great men like yourself, to go back to the age of twenty one. Now, with you, you're a little bit different than everybody else, Eric. You already lived a full <laughs> life by the time you reached the age of 21. <laughs> Most men weren't married by, by that time. Right, right. But if you could go back to a, I would say, in your case, we're going to take you back to 17, not to 17. Okay, if you can go back to 17, what would you tell yourself to do first? <laughs> wow. At 17, the first thing I would tell myself was follow your heart. Okay. Follow what's in you. Because I had, I was a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So I was happy. Well, I thought I was happy pleasing everybody else. Mm-hmm. The problem was I wasn't happy. Right. So this opportunity came to do something that I really thought was going to upset everybody else. And everybody kind of supported it. <laughs> yeah. And I went, oh, okay, maybe this is the right thing to do. So I got married. But I would really tell myself, follow, follow, your, follow your dream, follow your passion. But learn, but love yourself. I didn't love myself, man. I'm just, just real honest, flat out honestly. I had my self esteem was so messed up, Joe. So to have this 22 year old gorgeous woman want little, 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 I, I say little me, I'm 6'3 yeah, and 400 huge. pounds. I ain't, <laughs> I, ain't no, I ain't no little dude. But uh, <laughs> for her to, to her, for her to want me, mm-hmm. and at 17, I was, you know, I was, I was bigger than I am now. I was a heavy guy. Mm-hmm. So, for for this beautiful 22-year-old woman to want this 17-year-old who had absolutely nothing and nothing to bring to the table, that, you know, she was it for me. That's, I thought, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Not realizing, no, that was, 
I didn't love myself enough to understand that was the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Got to love yourself. Good stuff. Now, what would you tell him to do better? Oh, man. You know what? Be vulnerable. Okay. Tell people how you feel and and say no without guilt. Jesus. Okay. Doc. <laughs> I hear you. That, that's, something, that's something I still deal with on myself. And I even promised myself that this year was going to be different. I'm not doing stuff that I don't really want to do. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling guilty into being pressed, you know, guilted into doing something I don't want to do. I'm going to be honest. And that was one of the things, because I was a people pleaser, I would say whatever I thought you wanted to hear. Right. Instead of just being honest, because a lot of times it led me into places I really didn't want to go. Okay. Now, what would you do more of if you go back and talk to him? So, you know what, you, you know, you were doing a lot of boneheaded stuff, but one thing I thought you were doing right that I would tell you, you need to do more of that, but you stopped doing it. What was that? Read. Okay. I mean, I was an avid, I I read everything that crossed my path up until probably about 17 years old. I had, I guarantee you, I, I was reading my brother's, my oldest brother, six years older than me. I was reading my oldest brother's college books. Wow. I was 15, 16 years old. So, uh, and probably younger. I let life grab a hold of me and basically put me on pause when it came to what I was learning. Mm-hmm. Not just life stuff, but just, just, just not just general knowledge. Um, I, I've, I've gotten back into that and, and doing better. Um, of course you have to, when you're talking about trying to write a book, uh, <laughs> but it, it is, it's one of those things, man, where I wish I had done more and just increase my, my knowledge because you can never stop. Okay. Never stop learning. Good stuff, Eric. Now it's, you know what, you know what it's time for. It's time for the infamous <laughs> man up questions <laughs> and where we ask you five quick questions to start. That starts with the letters M A N U P and requires a little bit of fearless honesty, which you won't have a problem with at all. So my question (laughs) to you, Eric, is are you ready, man? Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. All right, great. So we're going to start out with the first question. The first letter starts with the letter M, obviously, and the M stands for mistake. And a lot of this stuff, Eric, you probably already shared with us, but um, (laughs) wouldn't mind you touching on it again if you have to or if you come up with something new. What mistake did you learn the most from as a man? As a man, again, I think the biggest mistake for me is being jumping too soon. Mm -hmm. There were decisions that I made uh, at a young age that for some reason I thought I continued to make and they were bad decisions. I I didn't, I didn't process it. I didn't let things really process and marinate before I made a decision. And either I would jump too soon or I would, or I would jump too late and not make a decision at all. So it's about uh, honing in those skills to be able to make a decision. Okay, great. Now the A represents um, attitude. If you could change one attitude in men that you see currently now with the work that you do, what would it be? If you could change one attitude in men, man, that their wives aren't against them. Most most men have this mindset that she's not on the same team, that right. we're not doing this thing together, that we are fighting each other, not realizing no, you're you're becoming one. It's mm-hmm. it's you, you're on the same team. Now, if you're doing stuff against each other, here's the problem: you're killing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're setting yourself, you're setting your team up to lose. Right. Um, it's it's really understanding, man. I have to be focused on her and, and understand that this is a a joint venture i'm not doing this by myself it's a joint venture yeah that she's just not just your mate she's your team mate absolutely good, right. good stuff now the end stands for next eric what's the next big thing you would attempt to do for god if you knew you couldn't fail 
Doc, everything I've been saying today, get it in every man's head, <laughs> in every man's <laughs> mind. Because man, these things, these things are simple, Joe, but they are you know, they're so crucial. Yeah. And unfortunately, our culture does not does not press the issue of men remaining men. Hmm. They want to keep it in the 1950s and say, oh, a man worked and he provided and he protected. No, it's deeper than that. Yeah. Because if that's all you got, you're in trouble. So, yeah, man, it, it's really to be able to pour this, to open up the brains of men, the minds of men, the souls of men, and pour this thing in so that they can gain the information and the insight that I've gained through these through these years to make a better decision for our families, to be the kings and priests and the leaders of our homes. Right, right. And Eric, the U stands for understand. And when you were younger, what was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man, but you know better now? <laughs> it kind of goes back to that, what a man was. Mm -hmm. uh, in my mind, I thought it was all about working and it was a job. As long as I brought home money and put food on the table, <laughs> I've succeeded as a man uh, <laughs> because I made some money. And it again, it's so much deeper than that. We have to understand that being the kings and priests of our home, it gives us there's portions of law and there are portions of ministry that were a spiritual aspect that we have to be able to bring to the table as a man. And those are the things that I didn't understand. I, I, I saw it from that aspect because my father was a pastor. Right. But not really understanding that whether I was called to preach or just Joe Blow working at the factory. I need to be able to understand what a king and a priest is in my home. Now, you mentioned earlier, and this the last letter is P, but you mentioned earlier that you are still struggling with um, trying to know um, when to say no <laughs> and yeah. be honest. But I want to give, I'm going to add another one to it. The P stands for problem. As a mighty man of God, which you are, um, what do you still struggle with as a man, even today, beyond just uh, not saying no? For me, I think the biggest thing is understanding that. Failure is not final. It's okay. I still struggle with that because you know what? I, I'll be real honest with you, Joe. I have, I have paused doing book two, mm -hmm. wondering if it's going to have the same success. Right. And, and to be honest with you, I, I just over the last few days, I've been praying about this. I'm like, okay, Lord, it's time. People are asking for this. It's been a year now since I did uh, Real Talk to Make Another Man. And people are asking for the next book. When are you going to do the next book? You know, what's coming down next? And I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know, I've got, God gave me all these things. But at the same time, even though I've watched him push me to a point of success with, with the first one, it still made me think, is this one going to be received the same way? Right, right. Still having that worry. It, it's basically, man, it's the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. And we've got to get past it. That's one thing that I, I still, to this day, I think sometimes I don't stretch myself enough because I'm a, I'm afraid of what might happen. And Eric, thanks for sharing that with us. And I can tell you now, you know you put yourself at risk too because you just shared that with me. So you know what that means. I know. I'm going to hold I'm you accountable, brother. I'm going to be I in your mug all the time. Have you finished that I second started, book yet? Yeah. I Let me see that manuscript. Like, oh, man, why <laughs> you should have never told me that on this air. So, but that is great. But I'm glad that you shared that with us. Um, that's the reason why we do the Man Up questions because I want people to know that as successful as some of these men are, that we bring on the air who I call it success through the eyes of their relationships they have with their, not only with God, but with their, their wives and with their children that we still struggle. The struggle never stops. It never ends. So, but we're only as strong as the men 
we put in our lives to support us, to help us get through this journey. So you know what, Eric, you know, I'm on your team. So dude, I'm going to help you do that second book and make sure you finish that. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, we've come to the end of our show for today, but um, guys, don't you worry. We'll be back to do it again all next week with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. You know, we come on every Wednesday, a new episode at 6.30 a.m. And so I'd like to thank Eric Terry Sr. for joining us today. Thank you, Eric. Hey, man, thank you for having me, Joe. I really appreciate it, man. And Eric, quickly for us, for our listeners, um, if they wanted to find out more about you and the ministry and what you what you guys and your wife are doing with Real Talk, how could they con- connect with you? How could they contact you? Absolutely, man. We're all over the place. We're on Facebook, uh, Eric Terry Sr. I also have an author page, author Eric A. Terry Sr. We now have our own radio show on Blog, blog Talk Radio. Real Talk Radio comes on every Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. We're live every Tuesday night. Um, they can reach us there. Also, they can reach us at our website. It is uh, www.realtalkconsultants.com. And, man, they can find out more about us and get in more information about classes and uh, different seminars and all the things that we teach. Uh, and also for the book, the book information is on the website as well. But they can also check us out at Amazon, Amazon.com. It is on the ebook version as well as uh, paperback. Fantastic. Thanks, Eric, for sharing that with us. Also, we'll put your contact information on our blog and into the podcast episode description. So all these links that he's telling you guys, if you're driving, you couldn't write it down. We'll make sure that you get that information uh, for sure. So to all of you out there, please do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds and go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, the professional man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be that man of God that he's called you to be, because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and of course, stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast, it's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.